Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. I appreciate you being here. This is episode 103 of the podcast. I want to extend a special welcome to our daily Fiber Premium subscribers who are tuned into the exclusive live stream of this episode of the Blindside Podcast. We at Mosin Consulting certainly appreciate your support. The banners are coming down. Tim Cook and his team have finished their presentation at Apple Park at the Steve Jobs Theatre where a bunch of new hardware has been unveiled. Now it's time for us to talk about what was unveiled. And of course, we've all got a decision to make. Are we going to upgrade or not? Is what we have going to suffice for another year? And what are the blindness implications of what was announced today? We're going to be looking at all of those things over the next little while with the team that we have assembled to give you some analysis and a recap of the Apple event in case you weren't able to catch it live or you'd just like a succinct summary. To join me in this journey, I have in the studio here on my right someone who has taken a bunch of screenshots as ever and is going to give us some additional audio description to tell us some things that were not actually mentioned on stage at the Steve Jobs Theatre but were displayed on the big screen. Heidi Taylor, welcome to you. Hello, thank you. And over in Australia, the man who undoubtedly will be Prime Minister at some point because everybody gets a crack over there, (laughs) technology expert from Vision Australia, David Woodbridge. Hi, David, it's early where you are, mate. Well, I start talking like a politician and say, I'm I'm very honoured to be on your program, Mr Mosin. You're you're honoured to be on my program and let me be perfect, you have to say, let me be perfectly clear. That's what you have, because you're a politician, right? So you have to start with that. Um, we are hoping that Janet Ingber will join us, who, of course, uh, has uh, authored uh, a book on using the Mac from a blindness perspective and writes for Access World. Uh, she's not with us at the moment, so she may pop in uh, sometime during the uh, proceedings. I want to start off by pointing out that the audio of the keynote was absolutely stunning. I'm sounding like an Apple employee now. Absolutely stunning. The best The best. It was, though. (laughs) So we watched the Apple keynotes in the living room with our Sonos 5.1 surround sound system. So we have the Sonos sub, we have the play bar, and we have the uh, rear surrounds. And they were actually streaming for the first time in 5.1 this time. And maybe they were doing Dolby Atmos. We don't have that. But, my God, it was amazing. So the audience was behind you, and the, um, the contributors were in front, the presenters were in front, and all the videos were encoded in 5.1. It was just the most stellar live event in terms of a presentation like this, a tech presentation I have ever heard. Um, did you dig that, David? Were you, what were you listening on? Uh, headphones. Oh, that. So I didn't uh. the, the full surround, but I kept grumbling. Every time I was writing my notes about the keynote, I kept grumbling about, yep, another non-audio described video. Yep, another audio non-described video. Oh, look, it's Johnny not audio describing what he's doing on his video. <laughs> yes, yeah, he, he did get to say aluminium a couple of times because Americans love it when Johnny Ives says aluminium. They do. Um, <laughs> yeah, Heidi, what was that opening video all about? Because basically that was pretty difficult to follow without audio description. Yes, so it started by saying, um, what was it, Cupertino, California, two minutes and 36 seconds before something i can't remember what it said but anyway then the seconds were ticking down and the first shot is this youngish woman i'd say like mid late 20s rushing through a door carrying like this metallic briefcase like 
I don't know, it looks very serious and very important. And she runs throughout the whole campus and she's jumping over tables and chairs and dodging around people and sliding across floors. And at one point where she consults Siri, she's like facing, I think it's a pond or a lake or some some body of water and she decides she has to run across the whole body of water because that's the fastest way across and then she runs over this big field where they're mowing the lawn so there's like bits of grass spitting up everywhere around her and then she gets into the building that has the Steve Jobs theatre in it and she trips and the case slides across the floor into the elevator and so she has to race the elevator down the stairs to meet it at the bottom and about halfway down the stairs she decides she's just going to jump off the stairs instead of climbing down the rest of them and she runs over to the elevator grabs it then she's running backstage and she gets to the door and she's got her id access card thing and she's trying to get it through backstage and it keeps telling her that um she doesn't have access and then what's his name kevin kevin appears he's teleporting and he lets her in using his apple watch for access and she finally gets backstage and (laughs) they open the case and it's just the presentation clicker I'm actually quite sorry I asked you that question. <laughs> now. Time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> on to matters of substance, the first thing that they discussed at the keynote this year was the Apple Watch Series 4. And, um, well, what can we say about this? Just the summary for those who weren't uh, listening to the keynote, every aspect of the watch has been redesigned and re-engineered as they say uh, they're following a fairly similar approach would you say to the uh, iphone 10 type arrangement where you're saying there are some bezels out there heidi so it's not completely bezelless like the iphones are yeah there's still a thin bezel but much less than there currently is mm-hmm. um so the screen has been significantly extended Yes. Over 30% larger screen, they're saying. Yes. Uh, it's thinner than before as well. I thought there was some really uh, interesting changes here. The, the, the user interface has been redesigned. So there are new complications. Um, there's a new watch face available only on the Series, uh, what do we have to Series 4 watch, with uh, eight complications. So that's quite nice because sometimes I find myself having to choose between complications because there hasn't been enough room for all the complications that I want. So, so you're a very complicated person. Then. Exactly. So eight complications probably still isn't enough for the complicated person that I am, but it's, uh, we're getting there. Um, you can add a, a loved one to that watch face, so you could sort of double tap to you know, call the current Australian Prime Minister, except you'd have to keep changing it every, all the time. So <laughs> you're busy changing it. Uh, the Breathe app is available on the watch face as well. Oh, um, and it looks gorgeous. Okay. Now, uh, one thing people should be aware of, because it might influence whether some people want to upgrade to this watch or not, if you didn't like the home button in the iPhone 7 and 8 series, you're not going to like the digital crown, because it sounds like they've gone the same way, correct, with the with the uh, digital crown in this one? Um, They've added in the haptic feedback yeah. to it, but... It still has to rotate, so I don't know how similar it's going to be. In that. I have a funny feeling that's probably haptic feedbacks because I, 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 somebody mentioned it when they were talking very quickly about, I think it was when they were doing the summary, the fact that when you twist it, 
it's actually not the mechanical feedback you're feeling. You're feeling the haptic feedback of actually turning the mechanical digital ground, so to speak. Yes, yeah. my understanding is that it's not a physical thing that you feel when you press it. Yeah. It's it's uh, like the like the home button was before they took the home button away in yeah. the iPhones. Uh, so some people struggled with that. It, it, you probably found this as a trainer, David, as I did when you know when I've been training people that. Yeah, many people are okay with that home button, but a lot of people really just struggled with feeling the haptic feedback for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so that may be a factor for people to consider when they're looking at which watch to get, because you can still get the Series 3 watch if you prefer it. Uh, on the plus side, a 50% louder speaker and apparently a better sounding speaker and a moved microphone means that you should get less echo and things like that. So... They've made progressive changes. The very first Apple Watch, I think we both, we, yeah, we definitely both got that, David, because you did like a gazillion podcasts, um, even more podcasts on the Apple Watch than you've had Australian Prime Ministers in the last five years. And so so that, that speaker was pretty bad. I found as somebody with a hearing impairment going out into the wild with it in, in a shopping mall or something like that, I would really struggle to hear that watch um the series three is quite good for me but it, the series four is even 50 percent louder than that um let's move on to the uh just scrolling through my notes um the specs a dual core 64-bit processor there is a um, new air accelerometer and gyroscope and that has twice the dynamic range now the big thing here and you and I, David, will be very cognizant, uh, given our careers, that about 80% of the blind population is over the age of 60. And we know that a lot of elderly people are prone to falling as bones get more brittle. I think this is an absolutely awesome, I'm sounding like an Apple employee again, mm. new, new feature. They've got the fall detection. You must have been taken by this too, I take it, David. That actually made me perk up quite a lot because I thought, you know, that's been really fantastic. My wife's got a disability where she's actually prone to falls. And when they were talking about how they work out when somebody fall, has, has fallen, was pretty amazing technology. So I can really see that being of huge benefit for a really wide range of the population. So that would be at least one feature that would actually make me at least buy a Series 4 watch for um, Ellen, I think. Yes. So let's talk about the workflow. You, you, you fall, something's happened and you fall. And then it gives you a minute to get back up, um, during which time you could, if you wanted to, you could invoke the SOS feature yourself. And you could do that by, you hold down the side button, right? You just keep it held down. Well, what actually happens is if it detects you've taken a fall, it will automatically bring up a screen where there's a slider where you can do the emergency SOS so you don't even have to push the button. Okay. So if, if voiceover is running, I presume you would double tap Probably. Some, something there yeah. to initiate the call. So it'll be right there. And presumably the watch wakes up, does it? Yeah. So, so if, if it was in standby and you've fallen, you were seeing on the screen there that the watch actually wakes up with an emergency screen. Yes, and it says it looks like you've taken a hard fall and then it's got the emergency SOS slider slash button or whatever it is. And a, then up in the top corner also a close button. So you can okay. just dismiss it if you're like, oh, yeah, I know I fell. I'm fine. And if you don't respond to that close button within 60 seconds or take some sort of action, then it will invoke the SOS for you. Yes. I think that's fantastic. 
It's a really useful feature. The one thing that occurred to me about this, David, is that what a shame the watch isn't a standalone device at this point, that really it is still an iPhone companion, isn't it? If you don't have an iPhone, you can't set one of these things up. Although that's true, but I'm also wondering, because I'm assuming most Apple Watches, I'm assuming the Series 4 must be just straight cellular now, so there's no sort of cellular and non-version, because I'm assuming if you... No, there, there is a non-cellular yeah. version. Because the cellular version isn't available in New Zealand. Okay, because I'm wondering if you have a non-cellular version and you've left your iPhone at home or in the car when you've gone for a walk in the park, that emergency function is not going to work. Right. Right. That's a, so that's a, that's a really good point. And that's one of the reasons why I immediately thought about my own mum, who's in her 80s and um, is prone to falling. And I thought I, I would gladly buy my mum uh, one of these. But because there's no cellular, it, there's, there's a disincentive for me to make the purchase. There's no cellular um, exactly. carrier supporting it here in, in New Zealand. So that will be a factor that people will need to consider. If this fall thing is important to you, it, do, it does seem that it will be a lot more useful if you get the cellular version. Mm, indeed. Um, Now, there are three new heart features in the Apple Watch this year. I actually felt there were some really meaty, you know, substantial features in this. Uh, Notifications. So if your heart rate's too low, you will now get a notification about that. Now, uh, the the artist formerly known as Heidi Mosen got married in January (laughs) to Henry, the wonder (laughs) son-in-law. And I was actually sitting there at Heidi's wedding and I got this ping on my Apple Watch about my elevated heart rate. So, you know... (laughs) Her poor old dad was stressing out over this wedding. So, but now, now, now we get it in the opposite direction. So right. if, you, if your heart rate's too low, you will now also get um, a notification. And um, as I said, normally a, heart, a, a low heart rate's a good thing, but if it obviously goes too low, I don't know what the – did we see, Heidi, what the uh, – No, what they the, didn't give me a threshold. And that might vary from person to person, mightn't it? What, what, a, what a dangerous heart – yeah, there's also there's also a thing in the health app too. It actually measures the interval between your heartbeats to see if that actually changes as well, and that's another indication that your heart rate, whether it's actually slow or fast, may not be healthy either. Right. Um, so that in the health app as well. Okay. There's um, an atrial fibrillation now. This, this that's an irregular heart rate rhythm essentially, and this I think has come out of the heart rate study that Apple has been doing. I believe it's been US only, and they've been doing this for some time. And they've got a whole bunch of people to enrol in this heart study, and they've been collecting data, which seems to have contributed to this feature. Uh, they they stopped the um, heart study quite recently. They they told people they can disenroll from it now. So this is an example of where Apple has gone ahead through a public process, collected data, and now everybody can benefit from the feature. The final one is the uh, ECG, which oh. is absolutely huge. That It's the only consumer device that will do an electrocardiogram. But I was are they saying that it's only available in the United States? I got that feeling. I don't know, because there was no slides about it. It was just something they said, so... Mm. I don't have any more info. They said it was FDA approved, and then they said it's available uh, in the United States and that they hope to roll it out, I believe, later. But I was sort of curious about why, what would be the cause of that limitation? Is it because it's a medical device and medical devices have to be licensed in some way? They do, because I I know here in Australia, you've got to go through the therapeutic, whatever they call themselves in Australia, and you have to get it licensed to for using that device in the in this country. So I'm assuming Apple's got to go through the same licensing stuff that they do in the US. 
Yeah. Good stuff. Good substantial stuff. It's the same battery life as well, um, which some people will be disappointed about because they compare the Apple Watch battery life with devices like Fitbit and say, well, you know, uh, <laughs> Apple Watch is mediocre. But I don't know how you guys feel because you're all Apple Watch wearers as well. Um, what I find is I just put my Apple Watch on charge when I'm in the bath or the shower because I'm too chicken to wear my watch in the shower, even though I think I can. So I, I, I put it on charge then and I genuinely find that that gets me through and I never find I'm particularly low on watch battery life. No, and it's actually really funny. I've always always put my Apple Watch on most of, all the time, whereas with the Fitbit, I've got to intentionally think about putting the Fitbit on because it's not something I want to wear all the time because it's not inherently accessible in its own right. I've got to use my phone to access it, whereas the Apple Watch, it just stays on all the time. Yeah. So the big question is, are, the, um, are, you, are you going to – are you tempted to buy a Series 4, David? Yes, I am. Yes, absolutely. Yes. What's, what's the motivating factor for you? Uh, the falls, the falls alert. Yeah. Um, and so that's for Ellen. And if I wanted to really, really rationalize it for another person in the family, i.e. David Woodbridge, I'd say <laughs> I'd absolutely need the eight complications on the watch face. <laughs> that is pretty attractive, um, the eight complications. I don't know whether I will upgrade. I think the speaker is adequate. Um, mm-hmm. I did think about that because, you know, the, with the hearing impairment, that is a really compelling factor. But you just never know. I think what I will do is hang on to the Watch Series 3 that I have in the hope that one of the carriers in this country supports the cellular. Um, There is a a much more compelling proposition now for them to support eSIM, and we'll come to that a bit later. Now, would you like one, Heidi, if you could, or do you think what you have is adequate for your use case? So what I've got is a series one so not the original one but then they re-released it as series one with upgraded chips so that's what i've got and i'm still quite happy with that but i feel like eventually i'll upgrade but i don't feel a need right now i i, I sort of feel Heidi, that you should charge start charging your dad for consulting fees when you do this program for him so i reckon you know the next time he, he asks you to do something you go how's that uh, series four watch going <laughs> see how much should i charge him per hour so you were just a stirrer david would because <laughs> Heidi actually works in this marvellous family business called Mosin Consulting where uh, we do actually pay her for a lot of the web design work and things that oh, she's excellent. doing. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so she, she can use that to buy an Apple Watch. In fact, you probably have enough from a recent gig you've been doing to buy an Apple Watch if you really wanted to buy an Apple Watch. That's true. Yeah. But I have to be a responsible married adult who oh, shares no. her funds with her husband. I know. All the fun goes out of the world once it happens. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether responsible and married necessarily are synonymous. But anyway... <laughs> to try well let's let's talk let's talk about iphone it's interesting because when i'm going through my do notes you, i think wow sorry heidi do you oh. want the lists of which countries will have the cellular oh. and which will have the gps please, please do let's give a, okay. all the data that we can give that wasn't actually verbally mentioned i know people really appreciate that okay so first they gave us a list of the ones that the gps one so this is without cellular and some companies are repeated on both some countries repeated on both lists so don't worry too much so we have australia canada china denmark austria belgium portugal france germany hong kong italy finland ireland saudi arabia japan singapore spain sweden luxembourg uh, netherlands switzerland uae uk us new zealand and norway so, so that's the non-cellular? That's the non-cellular. Right, yep. And then the cellular is available in 
Australia. Hey, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Canada, China, Denmark, France, Germany, Hong Kong, Italy, Japan, Singapore, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, UAE, UK, and US. And they also tell us which um, providers will support the cellular. Okay, could we maybe uh, looking at where our most of our listeners come from? Could we could we talk about the carriers in Australia, the US, and the UK? And did you say Canada was there? Canada's there yeah, too. So could we have a look at those? Okay, so in Australia, the carriers are Optus, yep. Telstra, and VHA. VHA. That's what it says. Okay. Is that Virgin? No. Might be, maybe it's Vodafone Australia? No. Yeah. Oh, hang on. I think Vodafone and T. Oh, I don't know. So I think the carriers, someone carries it combining, so that might be the new group. Okay. All right. Um, in Canada, we've got Bell, Telus, and Rogers. Yeah. In the UK, we've got EE and Vodafone. And in the US, we've got AT&T, uh, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, Seaspire, and US Cellular. Right, so the big carriers and a couple of minor ones as well. Yeah. yeah. Actually, right. Jonathan, the other thing I wanted to mention, the two things I wanted to mention about the Apple Watch too, is that your existing Apple Watch bands for your other watches will actually fit the Series 4. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good thing if you've got a bit of a collection. Um, I, I haven't. I just sort of pick one that I stick with. Do you have a collection of watch bands? I have approximately 12 at the moment. Wow. And are they the official Apple ones or do you buy the knockoffs? No, they're, they're, they're official Apple products. I would never buy a non-third-party Apple watch brand very much. <laughs> they're so expensive, though. You know? Oh, what's, what's money between me and Apple? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you can afford it when you're the Australian Prime Minister. That's, that's right. Exactly. The, now, you know, just going through my notes, it's extraordinary. It was a, well, one hour 40 keynote, and really there are only two product categories covered, you know, no Macs, no iPads. Um, was, so we've got Apple Watch, and then we have iPhone. And um, there's, uh, the, I tell you who's going to get one of these new iPhones for sure, and that's Serena Williams. Because it's a you know she's such a good tennis player. Uh, Had to get it in there. Had to get it in there. Yeah. Uh, um, Can we just so, move on from that one? Yeah, <laughs> we, we have we have the iPhone ten S uh, and the ten S Max. So this is going back to the old days of having a um, sort of a standard size at a plus sized phone. Except that we're looking at the same dimensions as the current iPhone 10 and that means that the 10 is actually has a slightly bigger screen than say the 8 plus did and the 10s max has a humongous 6.5 inch screen and its form factor is the same as the old say 8 plus right. so its physical size is the same but of course it's all screen it's, yeah it's all screen so um if you were hoping for a home button. Uh, <laughs> none of the new phones have a home button. And I did actually get a uh, an email from a Mosin Consulting customer a while ago. Um, what we typically don't do with iOS without the i is rehash a lot of material from previous years. But um, this customer made a very good point that because there are three new iPhones this year coming with no home button and the Face ID and the new gestures, there'll be a lot more people with them now. So we will be including... Uh, the instructions we included last year for those who didn't buy that book on how to work with um, Face ID and the new gestures for all these phones. So they're all 
touch. Uh, they've got stronger glass, so you can stop those hideous cases that people deface their phones with. <laughs> <laughs> what colours have we got? Gold, silver, and space grey for the 10s and 10s Plus, I think. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And uh, there's improved dust and water resistance. One of the most amusing parts of the keynote was where they talked about all the things they did to the phones to test them. And they've dipped them in wine and orange juice and beer. Yes. That was a really bad tragedy, that one. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was a beautiful picture, actually, where you've got these guys using their iPhone and they're at a bar and someone's coming over with a tray of drinks and he's like tripped or something. And you can oh. see all the glasses falling oh. over them as like a in the moment shot and it's that's one of their examples of like it's oh. gonna be fine i actually <laughs> lost a laptop in the frequent flyer lounge that way when i had a beer spilled over my thinkpad a few years mm. ago well, yeah. there you go yeah yeah super retina display if you've got um low vision then that you know that that's a significant thing because apparently it's a very clear display even clearer than last year's um in terms of capacity there's a big gap. So you, the, the 64 gig is the base model still. Yes. And then you go up to 256. So they've there's no one. Yeah, so six, 64, 256, and then all the way up to 512 gigabytes. Can you justify a 512 gigabyte iPhone, David? No. I don't know what I'd do with 512 gigs on my phone. <laughs> I hate to say this, but. <laughs> yeah, it's, a bit, it's a bit big. Yeah, um, because. Just as there's this, there's a, there's this weird convergence going on between the decreased cost of storage and the increased uh, capability of um, cloud services. Mm, so, exactly. yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of things that you stream in the cloud, Apple Music, Spotify, those sorts of things. I'm just not quite sure what you do with 512 gigs, but you can have it if you want. Take lots and lots of photos and videos because that's what... They went on about for about thirty minutes. Yes, yeah. yes, a, a very a lot of emphasis on the camera. Now, I want to come to that in a second and, and sort of discuss the the blindness ramifications. Um, in terms of audio, on the listening side, they're promising a wider stereo field with richer sound, and that's good because I think that it is true to say the iPhone sound has been improving over time. I like the sound of the iPhone ten a lot. Um, faster Face ID. And they've got the A12 processor, so this is exactly what you would expect with a new my uh, new iPhone. Faster, you know, better camera, kind of yawn. <laughs> Six core CPUs in the A12, uh, two high performance cores and four. Uh, high efficiency cores and all six cores can run at once uh, more energy efficiently than before um, there's an eight core neural engine and uh, that is up from the two cores and the last one five trillion operations per second now in practical terms what that means is that the machine learning things will become a lot more capable over time uh, i don't know how long that will take because people will want backward compatibility with all the other iPhones that are out there. And if you do too much, that's intense. It's going Actually, to be pretty- was it my imagination this time, or were they really going over the top dramatically on all the specs? It was this processor, that processor, this speed, that speed. And I just thought, I swore they didn't do this as much in the last keynote from last year. No, I noticed that too. It was more like a WWDC event. Then mm. a sort of a, yeah, these these events are typically kind of consumer focused events, um, and it's in June in June at WWDC where they geek out, and I was struck by that too. Um, it was a very geeky 
geeky event. Um, let's just go through my uh, the camera. Now, this offers a thing called Smart HDR, High Definition Resolution. Uh, that includes uh, zero shutter latency. And one of the things you can do is when you've taken a picture, you can double tap edit. And in there, there's a slider which lets you adjust the depth of the photo that you've taken. This is a concept called computational photography. What it will allow you to do is to essentially adjust the image after it's taken. I wondered, Heidi, we talked about this when it was happening. Do you Might that make it easier for a blind person to take photos in the sense that first the HDR stuff might make the original photo a little bit more stable, but then you might be able to get sighted assistance to tweak it. Yeah, because they had the thing where you could like adjust the depth of field especially um, and like retrospectively, I think that could be quite useful. And yeah, the HDR itself just will help make the pictures better because it won't matter if you take it at not quite the right moment or if the exposure is not quite right because it'll help fix all that. There's optical image stabilization. Um, I've also been thinking about this from an IRA perspective. And one of the things that I think we really need in the iPhone, so IRA will uh, let you connect via TeamViewer on any platform that you want. And the IRA agents have TeamViewer. And I use this a lot. Um, to get me out of all sorts of binds. I had a router, for example, that came up in Korean, of all things, and uh, I was able to get an IRA agent to get me out of that and and various various things um, within accessible sites. And you can do this with the iPhone, but the trouble is it's view only. So an agent can tell you what's on the screen, but because of the limitations of iOS and, and the sandboxing, they can't actually tap, say, somewhere on the screen when you're in an inaccessible app. I would love to see some sort of accessibility API for remote assistance or some API for remote assistance. And I appreciate there are security risks in this, but imagine what you could do if you could have an IRA agent take the photos for you, which you can now. They can guide you to point the camera at something and take a photo. But then the IRA agent could remotely tweak that photo for you and and get the image just right through some of these new technologies. Imagine how empowering that would be for people in professions like journalism or real estate or anywhere where you need to take a good photo. That'd be pretty good, actually. Yeah. Mm. So uh, it would be nice to maybe lobby Apple about this. Now on the on the audio side again for this time for creating it stereo recording. Hooray! Woo. This is the point at which a little light went on, and I said I might buy this because. Um, before you that, you were just grumbling about it. Remember, remember, I, I never grumble. You remember Roger, <laughs> David, the Roger Walkie Talkie app? Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, I, I was on several Roger groups and I used to kind of drool with envy when some of the Android guys would come on uh, on Roger and it would be in stereo because Roger actually transmitted the audio in stereo. And um, some of these Android phones have the dual mic thing. And it was amazing. Just sort of sometimes people would call in from a remote location and you'd hear the traffic whizzing by and it was all so realistic. And now we will get that with the iPhone. So they, they mentioned stereo recording in the context of video, but I presume that that will be available to any audio application as well. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because that'd be pretty spectacular if that could happen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, let's just see what else I had. Uh, 30 minutes longer battery life. 
in the iPhone XS compared to what were they comparing that with with the, the iPhone 10. 10 and yeah. then how an hour and a half longer was it yeah. for the an, hour Max. And a, an hour and a half longer in the iPhone XS Max again compared to the iPhone 10 uh, gigabit class LTE so if you've got a good LTE connection it's going to go like a rocket uh, presumably next year will be uh, Apple's year for 5G so uh, gigabit yeah. class LTE and here we go the dual SIM support right. <laughs> yeah I, I screamed very loud um, you, you upset Lizzie so much she tried to jump on me for comfort and I was trying to take screenshots and I had a dog on me it was a very bad time I just wanted to clarify that Lizzie was, was indeed a dog so that's good oh um, yes well, this is the one <laughs> thing. This is I was, the guide dog. This is the one thing I was uh, holding out for, and this is going to take a bit of explaining. So, uh, if you are listening to us in China, hello and uh, ni hao, because <laughs> you have got a device that I would actually really quite like, and this is where you have two physical SIMs. So, um, did, did they show a picture of that? Yes. Yeah, so the way it works is there's still only one SIM card tray, but it's double sided. Yeah. Now. So you can put one on one side and one on the other side. I would love that. Um, instead, what you're getting in every other market other than China, I wonder what it is about China that, you know, caused them to not do the what they're doing everywhere else. Um, Security, I guess. Yeah. A bit worried about electronic. So what they have in the rest of the iPhone world is something that has been in the cellular iPad Pros for a wee while now. And I actually, it's in the iPad Pro that I have. So... When I get to the United States, let's say, and I'm visiting for work or something like that, you can go into the cellular menu and essentially you're presented with a menu of carriers. And when you double tap the name of the carrier that you want, uh, because iPad is only a data device, you get a series of data plans that you can sign up for. And so you can, you can carry a shop you can check out all the different data plans and you double tap the one you want and they will take your credit card information and it's activated instantly. Um, in most cases, I think AT&T has been a bit difficult and they, they lock the eSIM, so you have to be a bit careful. But in most cases, you can just change carriers anytime you want and it just reprograms the eSIM. And this is how the iPad has worked for some time. So it means that I've had my carrier's SIM from New Zealand in the physical SIM slot. And then for local data, I can have the US carriers um, on the eSIM. And this is what, what is coming to the iPhone. So you'll still have a physical SIM slot, but you can also have a second carrier. They'll both be active at the same time, which means that you can be on standby with your physical SIM card and the, the carrier that's programmed into the eSIM. And when one rings, you will be able to answer the one that's ringing. So you have essentially two phone numbers going at any one time. The and you can give them labels. Yes. Mm. So you can go in and you can call one home and, ho and one work or whatever. The crafty thing about this is that it gets eSIM into the iPhone, which has been a strategic objective of Apple for a long time. And the carriers have resisted. The carriers don't want to make it easy for you to swap uh, carriers so, so easily. But Apple has now kind of, I guess wheedled its way into this by making the dual that the eSIM a secondary feature. Oh. What's that? That's an interesting sound. 
Where's that coming from? Yeah. What 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 is the cause of that noise? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, wow. it's, it's 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 very dramatic. Um, I have a list of people of companies supporting the e okay, as well. Okay, go ahead. So I've got Truphone, EE, Bell, GigSky, Verizon, AT&T, Vodafone, T-Mobile, Geo, Airtel, and Deutsches Telekom. Deutsch, Deutsch, Deutsch Telekom. That one, yeah. yeah I'm Do- no good at words. That's all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Deutsch Telekom. Okay, so it just says Vodafone, but it doesn't say which Vodafone, because Vodafone normally have, have subsidiaries around the world. Yeah, exactly. It didn't say which Vodafone. Right. Well, hopefully it'll be Vodafone everywhere. Does this interest you, David, the um, the eSIM feature, the, the dual SIM? Yeah. If the phone wasn't so expensive, it would. Um, I mean, I've got two phones at the moment. I've got my iPhone ten for work and I've got my iPhone 8 Plus for home. And, yeah, I mean, I do carry around two phones all the time, but I don't do that much travel overseas at the moment, so it's mainly all online stuff. So, for me... It's an. It'd be a nice to have, but it's not an absolutely thing that I actually would rush out and buy straight away. Yeah, I um finds that there are there are certain dead spots for certain carriers. So sometimes when I'm in a, like a car traveling with someone and and I'm on Vodafone and um uh, one of my kids might be on Spark, which is another of our big networks. And sometimes one of us has coverage, and sometimes the the other of us does. So it would be kind of nice to have that backup as well. Um, and and have two carriers available to you at any one time. So this is going to be available in the tennis and the tennis Max. Any other info about these phones, Heidi, that we haven't covered? Uh, stereo sound chips, gigabit dual sim, Bluetooth five point I don't know if that's new. No, I think it's not. Is it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, Good to know anyway. Good reminder. Oh, it says improved wireless charging. Oh, so hopefully it's faster than that. I hope that's more a bit more wattage going on. Yes, that's interesting that they didn't mention that. See, this is why we have you here, Heidi, among many other reasons. Oh, um, yes. To, to, sure. yeah, improve wireless charging. Um, uh, one of the things they didn't talk about, and I don't know whether you're seeing any data on this, there was a suggestion that they are going to ship this new series of iPhones with a USB, um, with a Lightning to USB-C cable and a better charging brick to charge the device faster and there's also a suggestion that they're not going to ship the 3.5 to lightning adapter that you'll still be able to buy it but that it won't come in the box so i don't know whether we have any information on that at this point uh there was no information in the slides i don't know if the site's up yet yeah right i mean i I just get through those adapters so quickly i've got a whole stash of them here (laughs) for when the next one dies yep uh, any other thoughts on the 10s and 10s plus? Are you, you interested? Is, is it is it enough to tempt you to buy one? I, I, I'm still sitting back trying to remind myself how to write this when I actually have to write it down because it's going to be confusing because you're actually writing the letter X followed yes. by an S followed by the you know the the, the Max version. It's just going to get it's just going to get. Oh, really sorry, Max, not Plus. Yes, yeah, Max. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm going to find myself just doing probably maybe iPhone S and iPhone S Max. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how are they written, Heidi? So is it is it is it X S all both in capitals or? Uh, 
Oh no! Now I have to. I have to find one oh, where well, they did it. Sorry, it was such a tough question. Well, it's it's not supposed to be a tough question. It's just since you've asked like schematics, like capitals, I have to find out. Yeah. And there's hundreds of pictures I've taken. Oh right, well, well, while you're doing that, we can talk about the iPhone XR. Um, oh yeah, they're, they're both capitals. Okay, oh. so so it's so it's it's all joined together. Yes. And so it's capital X, capital S. Yeah. And then capital X, and then a space and Max, right? Yeah, okay. capital M for Max. Yeah. And the iPhone XR, uh, this was an interesting decision. At first I thought, th- th- this is not the iPhone SE 2 that people want, right? I mean, it's a larger phone, there's no home button, so maybe the iPhone SE 2 is still coming, but we haven't heard much about that lately. So uh, I don't know whether they just de- just determined to ditch the home button and that small form factor, or whether we'll see something later. Um, this. Oh, yeah. sorry. Going back to what it ships with, the page is up on the website. Yeah. And it comes with the AirPods with the lightning connector, a lightning to USB cable, and a USB power adapter. So the ones that we've always had. Okay. But no dongle adapter for 3.5. Right. So they have taken that out. But it is the same USB cable we have now? Yes, it's a standard USB at the other end, not a USB-C. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because it would have been so easy, I would have thought, for them to ship the USB-C in a slightly higher wattage thing and, and tout that as a feature, because currently you have to pay extra to get the fastest speed charging possible. Mm. Um, and I would have thought that would have been an easy competitive advantage, but apparently not. Um this iPhone XR, this is, I don't know how to describe this, except you know, maybe is it is it going for the old 5C market? Remember yeah, the 5C? Was, that was, that was, that's exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. That was the impression I got when they played the little video as they were introducing it because they're going for all the bright colours again. But it doesn't look dinky like the 5C. I no, mean, it, it, it actually looks nice this time. Yeah, because the 5C was kind of plasticky. And, it was, yeah. 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 Um, what is this one like? I mean, how does it compare in terms of its build material to the new uh, sort of flagship phones? Um, well, the screen is definitely different. Right, because it's LCD. Yeah. So, but no, it's a liquid, remember, it's liquid retina display. Liquid <laughs> retina. It's yeah. the new term from Apple. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like a leaky eyeball. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have much information on the materials it's actually made of. I can probably look it up. But they look quite similar to the tens with I'm, the like i'm pretty the, sure johnny i've said alum, aluminium at yeah. least once yeah with so the frame is aluminium i don't know if they have the glass backs though i think it did okay yeah cool. so uh, with the with the 6.1 diagonal screen size is the physical phone smaller than the iphone 5.8 the iphone 10 okay so it is in between the sizes of the 10 S slash 10 and the 10S Max. And how oh. does it compare to the... So what say, and the plus, yeah. or the plus? So it's slightly smaller than one of the old plus phones, but not much. So it's sort of more on that part of the spectrum, I guess. Mm. Right. So... so- so the question I'd have is like, okay, so if the 6.1 sitting there and let's say you're a voiceover only user, I wonder what the advantage besides the electronic SIM would be over maybe and the better, the better maybe optical stuff to do OCR and other stuff with. But I'm wondering besides that, why would you want a 
iPhone 10s phone over the R phone, I wonder. No recording with built-in stereo mics. I mean, you could still record in stereo with an external mic, but mm. my understanding is that the iPhone XR does not have built-in stereo mics. Is that is that correct, Heidi, as far as we know? As far as we know. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have the 3D touch or whatever. Oh, that's right. No 3D touch. Oh, that's right. Just the haptic feedback like they've got in the uh, MacBook. Um, yeah. Yes, what did they call that? Yeah, I'm seeing here aluminium finish. Uh, it's the edge-to-edge display. So, again, you've got Face ID, um, bigger display than the 8 Plus and a smaller design. Um, this new feature is called Haptic Touch. Yes. Mm. And this is interesting because I was reading some analyst, you know, and you see so many of these things, and sometimes people are just interviewing their word processes, I think. But there was an analyst who said that iPhone, that Apple would be phasing out 3D mm. touch, but they are still putting it in their flagship devices. So perhaps that's where this has come from, that he has got the signal that um, this haptic touch was coming in this device and he had concluded that 3D touch was being phased out. But I imagine that this is an easy way to cut the cost of production um, by leaving 3D touch out. How often do you use 3D touch, David? I only use 3D touch on... Uh, and I, we probably shouldn't call it this because I know they've gone past it, but remember Force Touch that was still good on the Apple Watch? Yeah. <laughs> I tend to use Force Touch or 3D Touch on the Apple Watch a lot more than I do on the iPhone because I remember somebody saying the 3D Touch feature, it's more of a thing that you've got to remind yourself that it's there. It's not visible as such. So I hardly ever use 3D Touch on my iPhone. Yes, I tend to use it with the apps that are on. I have essential apps, apps that I use on a really regular basis on page one of my home screen. And then when I get to page two, I've got, you know, hundreds of apps and they're all grouped into folders. Mm-hmm. And it's just too time consuming to find the folder I want and then find the app I want and 3D touch it. I would rather just tell Siri to open the app or use browse screen input to open the app yep. and then just do what I want to do. I do use it occasionally. Um, with things in the dock or on page one, but I don't think I'd miss it if it went no. away. I think one thing that would be nice for VoiceOver to do is to offer 3D touch actions for apps on the home screen through the actions rotor. Mm, that'd be mm. nice. Yeah. Mm. So you could have a, yeah, you, you you'd still have your edit at the top of the actions rotor, but then as you swipe down, you would get all the 3D touch actions just right there as you flick through them. Um, so this also, the, the 10R includes the new. A12 Bionic. Bionic. Makes me think of like Wonder Woman or the $6 million man. Absolutely. The A12 Bionic processor. Um, Oh, so there's only a single camera compared to a a dual camera on the back. Dual camera, yeah. And um, you're getting 90 minutes more than the 8 Plus battery life, which is pretty impressive, really. Mm. Um, And that one comes in 64 128 and 256 gigabytes. So that's another reason that you may want to consider. If you really want to load this thing up with a lot of music or you plan to do a lot of recording of video, I mean, 256 gigs is even a lot for audio recording, to be honest. If you were recording at, say, 44 kilohertz, 16-bit in in unprocessed audio, which is Mm. CD quality, you're getting um, about 600 megs roughly an hour. So it's a lot of room even on a 256 for good quality audio and um, I look and plus the fact that i'm assuming because it's basically an lcd screen versus an oled screen on the on the on the more expensive models 
you're going to get better clarity out of the screen on the OLED display than you are on the LCD display, especially in sunlight. So yes. I think for anybody that was suffering from glare issues or brightness issues and that sort of stuff, you're better off having an OLED display rather than an LCD display. Yes, and because it has a lot less pixels per inch than the OLED one, it's not going to be as clear as well, mm. if that's like super important. Mm, absolutely. Do, when you glance at the uh, OLED screen compared to, say, the LCD screen, Heidi, is it instantly discernible that one is just whoa, so much better? Or you know, um, Well, when I have the comparison of my 6 to your 10, yes, your screen is much nicer. It's right. just, it feels so much clearer. But then, Actually, God. So, that's a good point too. Speaking about the 6, I'm wondering now whether the iPhone S, sorry, iPhone X, sorry, I'll start again, iPhone Six S has now gone off the list of the Apple Store because I'm assuming once the the new models of the iPhone 10 hit, the bottom range of the phone now is going to be an iPhone Seven. Which does that mean? My thinking that we've now the mechanical home button has now completely disappeared. Yes, that's right. But what so, about the SE? Is that still on sale? Uh, the only ones they had listed was the Seven, the Eight, the Ten R, the Ten S, and the Ten S Max. Um, I can double check on the site, but I. It would be know. interesting to know whether the iPhone SE has gone, um, mm. because because again you've got that form factor as well that will have disappeared, um, and um, we're yeah, getting... it's it's not on the site either. Really? Yeah. So it looks like they've withdrawn the SE. Mm-hmm. Oh well, we'll try and confirm that because that's a pretty significant development that I know will mm. make some people unhappy. Yep. Um, now, uh, that's, I think, pretty much all the notes that I had on the iPhone XR. Uh, did you have anything else, Heidi, that was shown visually? That um, Other than the fact that they have really pretty colours and I really like oh, yeah. the blue one, no. So, did we go through the colours? I'm just trying to scroll back and uh, have a look at what those, what those colours were. Um, do you have those there? Um, we have... I don't have the specific okay. list. White, black, yeah. blue... Coral. Which is kind of really pinky orangey. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yellow. And then there's a, pr- a product red of course iPhone there is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you've got a lot of pretty colours there. And uh, the, other, the other reason why you may want the iPhone XS or the XS Max is if you're into instant gratification because you're going to have to wait to uh, pre-order until October the 19th for the iPhone XR, but you can get the iPhone XS and XS Max pre-ordered on Friday. Mm. Yeah. All right. So um, you, you you said you're not buying. Is that right, David? You're not buying. No, no I'm not. No. Okay. Oh, so I tell you what, you buy, an, you buy the new one of the new iPhones, I'll buy the new Apple Watch, and then we can, we can compare our uh, notes. You, yeah, I, I know that you've been really kind of lukewarm about the user interface decisions that Apple has made in recent times, right? I mean, now that you've had a chance to play with the iPhone X a bit more, have, yep. you, have you warmed to it anymore? Or? No. no. Why is that? I just find the Face ID, I don't know, I just don't find it reliable enough. Maybe I'm actually too impatient, but I just find I, I get a lot more reliable sort of usage or unlocking my phone for the touch ID than I do with the face ID. And the gestures, 
I guess because the fact that I'm switching between, if I switch between my iPhone 10 and an iPhone 10, I'd probably be fine. But because I switch between my iPhone 10, my iPhone 8, and my iPad Pro, um, I've got two units that eff- effectively still use Touch ID and use normal home buttons, too, if you like. And I've got to keep reminding myself when I hit the my Face ID and the iPhone 10, I think, ah, oh, okay, no home button, Face ID, no Touch ID, and I've got to use all these gestures to do, you know, notifications, app switching, that sort of stuff. So I think the fact that I've, I'm switching all the time just still irritates me. Yeah. There is a use case that I think we talked about when they introduced Face ID that I guess is uniquely blindness specific. And that is a lot of us used to keep the iPhone in our pocket. And and whether you're wearing AirPods or like me, sort of some sort of wired cable to your hearing aids or whatever it is, you could unlock the phone while it was in your pocket just by resting your finger on the touch ID button and then go ahead and use the phone in your pocket, you know, and it was really convenient. Now, of course, you've got to take the phone out and look at it. Um, One thing I did find helped is... um, the iPhone dock that I think Apple still sells where th- there's this little kind of it, – it sits with this kind of thing that juts out and slots yep. into the lightning port. It's a – you touching the dock and trashing the studio. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. She's handed it to me now, so I'm going to hold it up to the mic so everyone can see it. <laughs> I'm, beautiful. I'm not quite sure what the point of handing it to me was when I, I can know. hold it up to the mic so people can see it. It was trying to be helpful so you could find it. Jeez, I don't know. Anyway, what the point, the, the point I was getting at was that you can – when, when it's in that state, when it's docked like that, it's really nice because you can just turn your face, especially if attention mode is off, at least for a blind person, you can turn in the general direction of the phone and it just unlocks. Yeah, can I still say, Jonathan, that gives me the willies, that one about the, because we've got to turn off that attention or the focus eyes on it. My wife and my wife and three other friends still play jokes on me. They actually pick up my iPhone and still can, and just point it at my face and still unlock my phone. Yes. They can just tease me about the fact that my iPhone tends not as secure as theirs. That is really a, a seriously relevant consideration. And um, I have congenital blindness condition, and I wasn't sure because you have to have certain criteria met. You've got to have your eyes wide open and various other things. I wasn't sure whether having attention mode on would allow me to unlock the phone, but it actually does. And so yeah. I find it much easier to unlock it with attention off, and I have it off at home but when i go out especially when i'm traveling internationally i always switch it on and i can manage but it's a conscious effort it's it's not as just intuitive as as touch id yeah there should we talk about what wasn't covered so we got no new ipads even though there were rumors rumors about what's coming so i suspect there'll be an october event where we see the new ipads that will also not have uh, touch ID and will not have the headphone jack. Mm-hmm. What is really amazing? No word at all about air power a year after oh, it was. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. What oh, the heck is up with this? They suck. Uh, that's what. <laughs> that's just really <laughs> extraordinary that they announced a product in September last year. Um, this for those who haven't haven't kept up. This is the one that the mat that you rest everything on your phone, your Apple Watch, your AirPods, and it charges everything. And um, there's there's no more word about that. No, 
No, Mind you, they, they did mention the uh, the Mac OS very briefly that it was going to be coming out on what was it the twenty the the seventeenth or something. Yes, yeah, so I think the week after that. Uh, so I think it's so we've got iOS twelve and tvOS and watchOS on the seventeenth, and then they seem to indicate a week after that it would be macOS Mojave. Now that will um, mean that iOS twelve without the i will come out sometime over the weekend of this weekend, so that people who want to install iOS 12 right away on Monday, will be able to do that with the aid of the book. So um, check out the Mosin Consulting Twitter feed or Mosin Consulting Announcements email list for the word when that's available. Um, can we talk about iOS 12 briefly? Uh, how are you feeling about it, David? It's very it's very snappy. I really, ever since I started doing the beta stuff for iOS 12, I mean, one of the main things they always talked about was that it's a lot snappier now, and I absolutely love it that with the the faster opening of apps, closing apps, app switching. And the other thing that I like is the notifications are now more into grouping rather than having individual notifications, which are driving me nuts. Um, I find it really, really good now. Yes, I don't. I'm just trying to think whether there are any really significant accessibility issues this year that people should be aware of. I think I think there are one or two very minor things, but no major showstoppers as far as I can recall this time. And they didn't really spend much time. They did their normal, which I think is a bit weak, on their series shortcuts, but they really haven't pushed series shortcuts that much. And that seems to be, you know, when you talk to people on the street, that seems to be the thing that they're looking forward to. But they just seem to make it a bit more gimmicky than what it should be. Right. So, and and the other thing, sometimes Apple's terminology, its nomenclature can get very confusing. So, Siri shortcuts, there are a number of things going on with it. Um, One is that through artificial intelligence, uh, iOS 12 will learn about things that you do on a regular basis. And when you go into the Siri settings, you'll get suggestions about things that you might want to assign to a Siri shortcut. So I have certain web pages that it's seeing me visit on a regular basis and it comes up and says, do you want to assign a shortcut to this? And so now I can tell Siri with a command to go to a particular page that I visit regularly. And um, also under Siri shortcuts, you will find grouped by heading uh, sections for different apps that support it. So there's an update that's just come out for the Tile app. And I know you're a Tile user, David. I like Tiles a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. These are these little gadgets. You can you can attach them to your guide dog harness. You can put them in your luggage or your keys, just anything that you might want to keep track of. To your wife, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you can – well, you can you – can, you can put it on the Australian Prime Minister, except you'd have to keep changing who has the tile. Uh, and so now you can assign a Siri command to the tiles. This has just come out um, in uh, in the latest version of the Tile app. So when you go into Siri settings, you can navigate by heading to all the apps that have Siri shortcuts available, and you can assign shortcuts to anything you think is useful. And what you'll find is that I'm sure we'll get the gold master of iOS 12. Well, maybe we have it, uh, given that the release is on Monday, but I suspect it's about to come out as we record this. Um, and when that happens, what, what what then goes on is that Apple basically lifts the embargo and they say, okay, developers, um, go ahead and, and let all your iOS 12 compatible apps loose in the App Store. So what you'll find between now and Monday is you're going to have a huge number of app updates when you go in and, and check for them or, or if they're updating or automatically you'll hear recently updated. 
And I think you'll find a lot of Siri shortcut support will be in those apps in the next few days ahead of iOS 12. But the other part of this is the shortcuts app itself. Now, that has not been a part of the iOS 12 beta. You've had to go and ask Apple separately for uh, permission to test that app, and it's been done through TestFlight. And this is kind of like a workflow app on steroids because Apple now owns this. They're giving a kind of a low-level access that wasn't available to workflow when it was a third-party app. And that's also where shortcuts will really shine. But it does it does require a bit of geekdom. And we've got a whole chapter on iOS 12 without the eye where we take you through a sample uh, work, a series shortcut um, app thing. But the fact that they call both these things Siri shortcuts. It's a bit confusing. It is, it is a bit confusing. Um, I mean, it's, it, I think it's going to be good. I mean, iOS 12 to me is quite a significant update to the previous iOS 11. So I'm actually really looking forward to doing some podcasts on it as well because I, I really think Apple's done a, a good job on iOS 12. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes it's just nice to get back to fundamentals mm. and maybe it's not as glitzy as past releases, but they needed to just go back and smooth yep. out some of the edges. There's not, I think, I think, to be honest, this is the weakest uh, release in terms of actual new voiceover features. Mm, but stability-wise, it's a, a very positive. Yeah. Positive. I mean, the, the other thing that I, I noticed, and I, I, not, I want to get this in before I forget about it, is that I love the, the new features that will be coming to the HomePod. Finally, 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 we'll be getting multiple timers. So I no longer have to use my various other home smart speakers in the house to do multiple timers. And you'll be able to send and make phone calls via the HomePod. I think that's pretty cool. And also the ability to make calls from the HomePod. Mm. Um, you got a second one for Father's Day, right? I did. I did. Yeah. Yes, it was quite funny when he mentioned stereo pair because did I did I did I admit to my um, my really stupid thing that I did with my stereo pair? What did you do? I didn't realise that when you're on a stereo pair, it's supposed to they're supposed to be near each other, not at the opposite ends of the house. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, funny how that works. <laughs> I rang up Apple and I said, oh, geez, the, the, the lag times, it's not very good, mate. You know, they're about 15 metres apart. And he goes, uh, David, you're used to using them in multi-room mode. Yeah, yeah, not stereo. Uh, left and right channel is blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, God, I feel like a right idiot now. <laughs> but you might have had an A12 processor planted, an A12 bionic processor planted in your head so you got supersonic hearing, you know, the whole bionic mm. thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts, Heidi, what's your overall impression of this? events and what apple revealed uh overall i have two distinct feelings they're awesome when it comes to the apple watch and they suck when it comes to the iphone oh dear not suck <laughs> suck but like that was probably too harsh but it there was nothing really exciting to me in the iphone area no. not really compared to the 10 how about you david what is what's your overall impression um I felt they were actually taking in the keynote. That keynote could have been done in less than an hour rather than an hour and 42 minutes, whatever it was. Um, I just kept feeling they kept going on and on too much about stats. They were really going mm. on about the camera. I thought the 30 minutes they spent on the Apple Watch <clears throat> was actually very feature-packed, and that was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then the rest of the hour and 12 minutes, whatever it was, was all about the iPhone, basically, and I just found it to be extremely underwhelmed. So to me, the outstanding feature was... The, app, the new Apple Watch with the full feature and the ECG, 
And then, of course, the HomePod because I've got children again. Um, the fact that I can then use, like I said, the multiple timers and make and receive phone calls. So to me, they're the two main things. I've got absolutely no interest in, the, in one of the new iPhones at all. Well, that's good because there's one less person I have to fight with to get one on launch day. Um, so in terms of my impressions, I, I was super impressed with what they're doing with Apple Watch. That That is a, a product category that is maturing really nicely and it shows in terms of sales. Even though Apple doesn't break out Apple Watch sales, there are all indications that um, it's a product category that's doing very well for Apple. So I think well done to them for that. The iPhone underwhelmed me until we got to the stereo recording. Now, I have been thinking a lot about perhaps getting uh, a Zoom recorder, for example, and I know a, a number of blind people work with them, but I've been reluctant to do it because I don't really want to go back to the days when you had to count clicks or count button presses without any kind of confirmation about what you're doing. And so the idea that that this is offering stereo recording with built-in microphones is very attractive to me for my use case, but I appreciate that my use case is a bit special. Um, <laughs> you know, so so I I don't think that people will be sort of crashing the place to try and get one for that reason. Again, because I'm doing a lot of traveling, the dual SIM, I would have preferred the Chinese model. And I, I, I really would be curious to know whether I can get one somehow <laughs> with the two physical SIMs. Um, but the dual SIM is very, very attractive. Um, and that, will involve some new user interface and because it involves some new user interface it then becomes a business expense for Mosin Consulting because I have to <laughs> write about it so Mosin Consulting is buying me an iPhone and that means that we'll have an unboxing podcast um, for the iPhone 10s. should I get the Max or just the 10s? I would get the Max because you have to actually then also test it for low vision as well so you'd be better off getting the Max version <laughs> what do you think Heidi? I don't like you'd do any low vision testing, Dad. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Max would give you that additional hour of battery life yes. over the non-Max version. It's a hundred US dollars more, so goodness knows but what it, it will be in New Zealand. Yeah, more dollars, and I don't know if you really need a phone that big, like physically big. I loved having the plus-sized phones for Braille screen input. Mm. And the That's 10 fair. is just a wee bit more cramped for browse screen input, but it's doable. So okay. I will think about this. Um, I will think about that. And I'll probably end up getting the five giggle, 512 gigabyte one. Why? Be because um, the higher <laughs> capacity you get, the better resale value it is. Still. Why? Because your dad's very good at rationalising his purchases. <laughs> yeah. Better than I am. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens when I talk to the boss. <laughs> no, funny that. Yeah, yes, the boss upstairs. Yeah, uh, thank you both very much for um for for your analysis and your thoughts, and I look forward to your. So you're definitely getting the watch, right, David? I am absolutely. Yeah. So actually, I'll, one quick question though, I, they were talked about the ceramic and the sapphire glass, and then they <clears throat> or later on talked about the, uh, the aluminum and the aluminum watch series. So I wonder where the ceramic and the sapphire glass came into it. Oh, so they've got. I don't know where the sapphire glass comes into it, but the ceramic versus the aluminium is what the case is made out of. And I'm pretty sure that... I'm not sure which one's cheaper, though. Um, the aluminium is cheaper. 
Let me find out. Aluminum, aluminum is cheaper. Aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm sure we can check all that out on on, on the website. Um, yeah. So, so just to recap, uh, iOS 12 and tvOS 12 and watchOS 5, Monday US time. That will be Tuesday in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we'll have iOS 12 without the eye well ahead of time uh, out there. And uh, David, you'll have Apple Watch Series 5 podcasts, I'm sure, pretty quickly after that arrives. And that will arrive on the 21st. Mm-hmm. If you want to pre-order any of the products other than the iPhone XR, then presumably it will be the usual deal that will be midnight Pacific time going into Friday morning of this week. So a very short time to consider what you want to do. Um, that will be 7 p.m. in New Zealand on Friday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time in Australia and some crazy time like um, 8 a.m. in the UK. Actually, that's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you both very much. I really appreciate your, your input and your expertise. You're welcome. And we'll yes. catch you with the Blindside Podcast next time.